Yeah, welcome everyone uh, to episode zero of the Emerald Library podcast. Um, me and Bailey are your hosts um, for the future. Uh, Bailey, if you want to talk about yourself, introduce yourself. Bailey, I am a I'm a, a member of this server, kind of a writer, mostly a beta reader. That's about it. Okay. Um, I'm Silver, a uh, member of the server, uh, sort of a writer, uh, starting to write more one-shots, um, as well as a uh, beta writer for two authors on the server. Yeah, two authors. Um, <sighs> joining us today is Constellations and IDK. Uh, Constellations, if you want to introduce yourself. What's up? Uh, I'm a writer on this server. People usually call me Connie. Uh, yeah, that's about it, really. And uh, looks like IDK is muted. I don't know. Uh, I'm here. I'm here. Yep. All right. If uh, uh, IDK, what's up? if you want to introduce yourself, I'm uh, for sure. Uh, I'm a I'm an architecture student at the University of Michigan. Um, writing here, writing is something I do in my free time. You'll mostly see me around here shit posting with Connie, putting stupid shit in all the chats, generally causing problems for the mod staff. I might as well. Uh, I didn't realize you were introducing more. Mm -hmm. uh, I... <laughs> Yo, can I take a fat rip real quick? Is that allowed? <laughs> Do whatever. Yeah. Uh, I'm a I'm a biomed chemistry student at a at a quite a wonderful liberal arts college where I also swim. Nice, nice. Uh, All right, for expanding. <laughs> yeah, Billy, you want to go ahead? Yeah. Um, I am a machinist for the government. That is about all I will go into depth. Okay. We may touch on that subject later. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah. And I am a business uh, administration student at my uh, local county college. Uh, that's all I can really say about it. It's nothing special. So. There you go. Right. Yeah. Um, so I guess we'll we'll start off. Um, Connie, what uh, any up uh, working on upcoming stories? I know uh, you just released an update uh, for one of your stories. You just released uh, yeah. the new story, right? Yeah, uh, I've been pretty well. I got out of I got into summer what two weeks ago now, so I've kind of been mm -hmm. just ripping ripping ass, trying to trying to just pumping out words. Uh, I already finished. I already completed the the death and champagne story. There's two more chapters left to that one, so I just need to publish those eventually. Um, I'd say the the main. Main two stories I'm working on right now are the ones with uh, Jane and, and Natasha. Mm. For the most part, I'm rewriting the Natasha one with Paradox. Yeah, that's uh, Pride, Pride in the Devil. Yeah, Pride is the Devil. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I love that one, especially when it first started coming out. Um, I noticed you started rewriting it, and I was like, oh boy. So, uh, no, yeah, I like the new plan now is like so much better i promise you the characterization mm. is so much better so really excited to finally i'm probably gonna do like a mass update in like two weeks and just update 
all all six of my current ongoing stories so mm-hmm. that'll be that'll be fun that's good that's but, good. uh yeah i gotta say i'm really um i'm really been enjoying your uh how to train your dragon pjo fic that one that yeah, one's that been one's, good that one's tickling you yeah i got a, i got half of the next chapter done i kind of have like five chapters all work in progress right now which is kind of pissing me off because i don't like giving stuff not completed but mm. it's just adhd i suppose right. but yeah that one's been a lot of fun to write i, don't know, I forgot because I, I i hadn't touched how to train your dragon in so long so like it's like reading like fanfics about how to train your dragon and like going through the fandom against pretty 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 cool experience just to dabble in that fandom a bit and you can you can find gems in there there's there's a few gems in there but oh, i haven't yeah, really yeah. dabbled dabbled in the crossover section for it so i mean here i can pull i'm pretty sure there's only like for the crossover section with percy jackson and how to train your dragon there is 52 it's uh, one of those it's one of those um crossovers uh, a whole that, lot out there. that kind of it's a small niche because the timelines are so vastly different yeah that you yeah, have I mean, to do what mm-hmm. you're doing connie of doing an ancient like ancient au to insert the character in there yeah because like putting like canon percy in a how to train your dragon scenario like i i tried to that was my original intention and just trying to like think about how that worked it's just i don't know i mean i'm sure think, so many with more talent than me could, could find a way but well, it, doing that would be very similar to um, Saf- Percy Jackson and the Sapphire Flame, which is a fantastic PJO Avatar crossover, where they pulled Percy from the first book into mm-hmm. the f- Avatar world. So you you got that cultural difference of Percy growing up in the 20th and 21st century and then being pulled into a backwards time. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I've been meaning to read that fic. I just never watched Avatar, so I'm not sure. That that definitely helps. Having a good yeah. foundation for the fandom that it's being a part of, I highly recommend watching it. There's I haven't really looked into Avatar fics, purely because I don't need another fandom to be looking at. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I yeah the, one of the main reasons I haven't gotten into My Hero Academia or anything like I don't first off I don't want to watch the show and second off then I'd have to go through the huge yeah. backlog of both Little DB and everyone else here it's a yeah fandom. I have never actually watched an anime through like I've never watched more than like half a pilot episode of an anime. The only anime I've ever watched was like this really old Japanese anime my dad used to watch as a kid. It's called Voltus Five. Like really like it's it's like really popular in the Philippines, which is where my parents are from. Mm. But like that's literally the only thing I've ever watched. Other than that, like I'd say the closest thing I've watched in anime is Arcane. I really enjoyed Arcane. I don't know if you guys ever watched watch I that show yet. not that was i mean I, i'm not the biggest fan of league of legends but that for me personally that show really 
They hit the head, the head on the noggin for me. Yeah, it brought a bunch of people to the game as well. Uh, oh, yeah, that was definitely their intention. Yeah, it brought a bunch of people to the whole lore of it. Uh, that's a huge fandom on itself. I mean, I can't... <laughs> it's crazy. I can't even go... It's, the, it's definitely the biggest video game in the world. Yeah, at this point. Sure. Uh, they have, like, so many characters that people love. Uh I, I'm not even gonna try to try to begin to understand. I'm just gonna be just a casual viewer of their their TV show and that limit myself to that. Yeah, that's how I am with How to Train a Dragon. I I've only seen the first two movies, uh, mm -hmm. then dropped off. Didn't have time to watch the other ones. Um, but uh, I think yeah, no, I, gotta, I think I with um, I think with fandoms like how to train your dragon percy jackson and harry potter to an extent you can not consume all of the media for it like oh, yeah. the first two movies is more than enough to read 75 percent of the fix yeah similar to yeah, percy jackson where if you've just read the books you're gonna be a-okay you're going to be more than okay because there's only two shitty movies. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. And if you've only watched the Harry Potter movies, you'll be slightly confused on some stuff, but you'll you'll get the picture. So I, I think... think uh, oh, sorry. No, you finished? Yeah, no, you go. I, I do think, like, the the movies, like, Loki fixed a lot of the, the gripes I had with the books. The, for Harry extent. Potter? Yeah, for Harry Potter. I honestly, like, the movies more than it's I. A hot looking dog. back at it, looking back at it, I I enjoyed I enjoyed watching the movies more than yeah. I did reading the books. I think I think up until I'm gonna say the first five four seasons of Game of Thrones. Up until then, the Harry Potter movies were the best book to screen adaptation. Because mm. I mean. Before them, you really uh, and then the Lord of the Rings series, of yeah. course. Lord of the They're Rings. They're probably Hunger Games and Harry Potter. Hunger Games. Hunger Games was pretty faithful. I'll yeah, give them yeah. that. They were pretty faithful. Divergent. Divergent was weird. I, I, I think uh, probably best book to movie is Cars too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I never. One hundred percent. Never it's really faithful to the to the Quran. <laughs> I fucking hate you. <laughs> dude, little drummer boy is in here. What's up, dude? It's like got yeah, little DB like, in the audience. It's our weird. It's our weird uncle. Uh, yeah, I I think I think switching switching back on topic. Yeah. slightly. Um, switching from. Mo books to movies and books to TV shows has has really been promising. Mm -hmm. I think the success of The Witcher, Game of Thrones, when they were still following the books, um, yeah. love it or hate it, hopefully the Percy Jackson series will be authentic to the books. Mm -hmm. um, Do we want to talk about the, the casting for that? Let's not. Uh, yeah. Let's <laughs> not get cancelled the first episode. <laughs> Not even first episode. Yeah, test episode already canceled. <laughs> yeah, let let's let's not. We. I'm really I'm ready to get nitty gritty. 
<laughs> you know what? Next time we have you back, we'll totally talk about it. Yeah. It may not air, but we'll totally talk about it. We'll grease the turkey on that one when it comes to it. That, that'll be the Patreon yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be the uh, paywall. Never see the light of so, so that one's on OnlyFans. Sign an <laughs> sign an NDA before watching it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so books to TV to movies like The Witcher. It, it's definitely made one of the best adaptations. Um, and it's a Netflix show too, which is yeah. Really, they they set. They did. Uh, they did pretty well for that, actually. Netflix has like a gem, like every like ten piles of shit, which is mm. pretty good batting average. Which yeah. is decent, but like, I don't know. I would like to see it improve. Yeah, you saw that stuff I... about them like dropping off and like uh, like their their sales plummeted and stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah, they're they're definitely making some changes over there. I think Amazon actually is going to be the one to look out for with book to movie adapt book mm-hmm. to TV show adaptations because they've got um, the boys, the, the boys. Um, Invincible. What is it? Um, one of Tom Clancy's books. They oh, they've got one of hit. Re- they got Reacher. They had another one too. Um. Oh, they're doing Jack Reacher. Yeah. Yeah, they're. Been really they did Jack them. Reacher. They did um, here, Power of the Internet. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Jack Reacher. Uh, they're coming out with that one D and D one. Oh um yeah Fox. the um Fox Machina. Yeah. That one's really good. If you guys have not seen that. Recommend it. Um. Oh, excuse me. Um. Oh, IDK, you should you should go over some of your stuff. Yeah, when you were Jack Ryan. Oh yeah, Jack. Ryan. Jack Ryan, that's the yeah. show. And then um. Jack Carr's Terminalist. They're adapting that. So they've been doing. If you're into like the spy books, like. Amazon's where you want to go for those. But let's... We've only been interviewing Connie. IDK, are you (laughs) actually writing right now? (laughs) It doesn't look like it, does it? Um, Yes, I I do. (laughs) Uh, I am active. You just don't see it. It's a lot behind the scenes right now. I think uh, for a game of chance, I think I've got like 4,000 of the next update so pretty nice. close yeah, but that one. i appreciate that uh but as, <laughs> as far as like what i'm actually doing <laughs> i do a lot more where i just sort of write what i'm feeling on a given day and that often means that i'm starting something new or i'm uh or i'm working on something that has maybe a chapter or two and i was actually talking to connie about this earlier i choose not to post those things mm. because because to me, I like to take the same thing and rewrite it 80 times, rework it. And if I'm still doing that, which I'm in the process of doing with all those different things, I don't want it uploaded and constantly changing. So I sort of keep it to myself. Mm-hmm. And that my one active thing is the thing that I'm polishing entirely and finished reworking before I upload, which is why it takes so long. 
because I have in some form uh, two or three chapters of something for Elden Ring, for Cyberpunk, for Stardew Valley, for uh, Star Wars, for Marvel, for... I'm everywhere. I'm all over the... Right. You just don't get to see it, essentially. So do you complete your fix before uploading them? Uh, No, I work at... um, I usually just do them, upload as I finish chapters, and then just as I've sort of developed that's progressed into me uh, taking a very long time to get my chapter to a place where I feel like it's polished enough for me to upload. Mm -hmm. So you're seeing me work on it in real time. You're just not seeing me waste time working on other things in the meantime. Right. Okay. I mean, uh, and that's the thing. Everyone has their own style of, and way of uploading some, some will work on one fic, they have one active fic, or they'll have seven active fics, and it's a turkey shoot to right, see which yeah, one gets up, yeah, updated. Yeah. Or you've got the little DB who works on them in rotations to keep yeah, the ideas fresh. a methodology to it that I can, I can never meet up to that. <laughs> yeah. It, <laughs> no shot I could adhere to a schedule like that. Yeah, or, or you got authors like the Black's Resurgence, who's putting out two, three k, three to five k chapters a week, like, yeah, that's insane to me. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's a monster. But isn't he already like, like done writing the stories? Like, isn't he like, like, isn't so, like his system like he's like releasing like twenty chapters ahead on his website or something? He's like yeah. twenty chapters ahead, and he's like thirty something ahead on the Patreon. Exactly, so exactly, when yeah. it hits, when it hits fan fiction, it's gone through his brain, his re- his read through it, um, the Patreons read through it, so they'll catch small mistakes, and then it'll go to the website, and then the website readers will catch whatever everyone else didn't. So when it hits fan fiction, I think fan fiction is getting shit from like six months ago now. Yes. That's an extreme level of polish, bro. That's yeah, so he like that's his like actual job. Like, doesn't he make yeah, he's... literally like fifty grand from Patreon off this dot or something? Oh, I, think so. uh, I don't think so. I think I think he's over a thousand patrons, which I think base tier is like ten bucks, five bucks, five bucks. Yeah, so if you want to do the math of what base tier is times a thousand. Wait, hold on. He has so, two five five nine times four point five. He's got at least ten grand a month. And that's not for the and that's not including all of the ones who are above the higher tiers. Yeah, that is crazy. He's making six digits from fan fiction. That is yeah, that's wild. A, that's an that actual is, job, so that is actually crazy. <laughs> yeah. Can't imagine that you go, dear wife. Yeah, we got an extra ten thousand this week. Yeah, it's that is actually awesome, And people wonder why he passed up a book deal. Yeah. Oh, um, IDK. I, I mean, one of my uh, favorite stories from you is in the shadows of men. Um, that. That whole story was amazing. Uh, what uh, thoughts on that? Like, how you did that? 
Well, I appreciate that. Uh, first of all, thank you. Nice of you to say. Um, I worked real hard on that one. That one sort of came about um, sort of, I get this sort of funk where when I get near the end of a story, then I, then I suddenly get obsessed with this idea for a new one. You know, so mm-hmm. for like the last four chapters of pretty much everything I have, my thoughts when I'm writing that aren't even of that story. It's of something that's coming next usually because the mm-hmm. idea that possesses me at the time. So that one really had a hold on me for a while. And it wasn't so much for that. I was being sort of possessed by the overarching plot. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't have that so concrete, but I was constantly getting glimpses of like these moments in a story that I want to reach. And for me, the writing process often is writing for those moments, so to speak. Yeah, and I that, that I'm, I, I imagine sort of, I see certain instances within a story, like pivotal moments mm-hmm. or just moments of impact. And those are the things I write for. And then the story that you, you see is me connecting those dots that occurred to me that more naturally. Yeah. When that, uh, like I could tell like that story, like I said before, it's one of my favorites, especially the whole ancient, uh, times, like there's not that in my opinion there's not a lot that really explore that like uh unrest between demigods and normal peoples i was really excited when i saw this and then that twist in the middle was it was just nice it was so satisfying when we find out who the antagonist really is and you see Mm -hmm. the change and you you stayed true to the character that you created, which I love. I really dislike when people create this awesome character and then just a flip of the dime completely mm-hmm. change it. Um, which to me just it, it ruins the hard work they put in before. Um, yeah, I definitely so agree. With that. I think characterization is probably the most vital thing in my opinion. When I'm you know reading that something that matters a lot to me. Do your characters feel distinct? Do they feel like they're people that that uh, produce interest, you know? And mm-hmm. so I think that's something that I work particularly hard at because I think that, because to me, I perceive that as the most important aspect. And yeah. so I want to make sure that that, if anything, is prevalent in my stuff. And I so, with, go ahead. I think with fan fiction in general, that is a tightrope to walk because you want to keep the character as close to canon as possible in a sense that you still want somebody to pick up your story and read read it and recognize oh yes this is percy jackson if this happened this happened and this happened yeah it's it's connecting your version of percy with canon version to make a recognizable character that is both completely recognizable and completely unrecognizable because we've all read the fix where it's just canon continuation Mm -hmm. and they just don't hit home because it's not their Percy. Mm -hmm. It's not their character at the end of the day. And I'm pretty sure all of us who have uploaded fix I know me and Connie have very similar reviews of the same guy saying this isn't Percy Jackson. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, so it, it, yeah. it it's one of yeah. Oh, sorry. Go. 
You guys get it's like, some, <laughs> it's like something like I've talked about before, it's but tough. like it's like in art in like my instance at least, like I, I know like the way I write Percy, like my like some of my personality like links like leaks into it, like especially through like dialogue. Like mm-hmm. sometimes yeah, when I that's, write that's pretty a lot hard. of the times when a lot of the times when I write my Percy, especially because when I most of my stories are kind of like in are just two characters in like a mainly mortal like world so it's like a lot of like just real world like non-fantasy stuff so it's really mm-hmm. easy for like my form like something i would respond with to like with percy so it's yeah, like something yeah, i always have to like tread like fan fiction we a lot of people will shit on self-inserts into fan fiction worlds because they have a tendency to get tropey of mm. the MC goes and fixes everything. They're a they're just a force of change. They don't flow with the story. They stand in the river in the middle of the river of the story and say, part around me. And I think as you were saying that some of your that your Percy's your personality leaks through, I think you can tell with a good author that some of their personality does leak through. You can see it with Brendan. You can drink now. TBR. <laughs> um, he he has self insert characters in every fic, and if you have interacted with him for more than five seconds, you can pick out which ones they are. I think every author has an aspect of themselves in every fic. And it can be just as subtle as a word they use that that the author uses themselves a lot, or an entire character that is based off of someone they know, someone they like, someone they hate, or even themselves. So I think you it, it's an interesting right. dichotomy. Oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting dichotomy of how how far over the line is self-insert as opposed to inserting kind of your personality on the character yeah yeah i'm well, not... oh sorry go ahead oh, i was just gonna say i don't really have an my issue with self-insert as a functioning thing is just that the whole purpose of this entire endeavor is to use pre-established characters with that readers would have pre-established relationships with you know opinions of and to use those to tell new and interesting stories and the second mm-hmm. that you're putting in a character who is not part of this in this in a self-insert sense this isn't someone i care about or a character i understand or already have an appeal and appeal for you know but to me that defeats some of the purpose of the entire thing yeah going no. off going off exactly what he just said that's the kind of the reason why I started rewriting one of my fics was because I realized that the character, like, I wasn't being true to the characterization. So mm. it's it's really hard to, because like in my mind I had this like endpoint I want to reach, but like when I was writing the fic, like when I was trying to reach that endpoint, I wasn't doing so in a, in a manner that the character would have done. If that makes sense. Yeah, so, no, that makes sense. I know you're you're both work. All three, four of us are working on a Marvel fic right now. Yeah. So, <laughs> how 
which one is which one are you working on? I don't IDK. What's your what's uh, your you'll never he, you'll never hear about it. Not for <laughs> well, he mentioned long that time, he was, but it's in the works. It's in the works. Yeah. It's there. So we've we've all got a common ground on this, mm. despite the fact that I'm <laughs> re-uploading with edits. <laughs> yeah. But I'm gonna try and continue it after it's I'm done with it. I'm done re-uploading little DB's work. Um, mm -hmm. How do you um, with Marvel specifically, or any series where there is a definitive end point of the main cast, mm -hmm. like Marvel, where it is so definitive, Endgame is the end of the end of the main cast. Yeah. How are you guys approaching that in a sense of this is where the story ends? Do you have any like ideas of that, like? What, just what are your thoughts yeah. on that? Yeah, I'm gonna keep it a buck with you. I don't give a shit <laughs> how the actual movies ended, dog. Like I was okay. saying, this this is about you know for me at least, this is about telling a story that I want to tell that has the themes I want it to have, you know, uh, that includes the moments I want it to include. It's for me essentially, and that other people enjoy it is obviously great to hear and to be able to do. But ultimately, it's me trying to tell stories to myself that I want to hear for whatever reason. And that has no relation to how the original pe um, source material ended. Because if I try to force myself to adhere to these sort, sort of endpoints that are so solid, then that forces me to change the story and warp it from something that I want it to be into something it needs to be. And that's not how I want to go about the entire process. <laughs> Uh, exactly exactly he's basically echoing what i was thinking and then also luckily for me every idea i come up with is also post end game so i can just completely avoid <laughs> that, that entire shit like regardless but um yeah i don't i don't know you basically just stole my words from my mouth okay. just write what you want to write all right i was just it, it's kind of one of no, those I understand things the question. There, yeah, absolutely. there is a big end end of it i, I definitely where, understand that right yeah where you kind of like it's daunting because there's a there's an established you know sort of path for these characters that so many people are now attached to that path that they took and that ending point mm -hmm. for them and then it's it's a bit scary to take that away you know and try to Shoot skirt it, that yeah. and do your own thing because you're afraid of losing that comfort that you yourself and and other readers would have with what you already know to be the story or even like trying to insert percy into the final battle against thanos like how <laughs> broken be. like how broken is that gonna be like is it going to be like oh shit percy's gonna 1v1 thanos in a battle for wakanda cut off his arm and then lop off his head and boom there we go no snap no nothing really we wasted a decade for this yeah, but, I mean, that has uh, wildly different answers depending on who is writing him. Because it, some people could juice him to the absolute max, and he's in there making everybody's head explode using their castrating fools and stuff. Or you yeah. can put someone with a real low estimate, sort of realistic estimate, and you got this dude getting stomped by a laser beam within thirty seconds. Mm. So 
it really does depend on who's sort of behind the wheel, so to speak. All right. So this is an, in, this is a question for IDK. Mm-hmm. You killed an MC. More than once. I've done more than once. <laughs> I'm, I'm going, I'm basing this off the Spartan. So spoilers yeah. for Spartan. Um, been out a long time now. Yeah, sorry, I, that's been I, think out for... I think you're clear. Yeah. The mock has been printed. Yeah. So you continued the story afterwards, but you did it really well. Like what, what was, I understand your justification for killing him. It worked perfectly yeah. in the story, but was there ever a moment in there? I know it was a bit ago. Was there ever a moment in there where you kind of did want to give him the happy ending? I know you're a pessimist, so. Absolutely not. I, you know how I told you I build for these moments? Yeah. I think the first moment I had was that dude dying. <laughs> so I think I had, I had, that was a, my first story. So it was a bit unique in that I hadn't been planning it like on paper, but I'd been thinking about it for a really long time. Right. And so for a really long time, I knew I wanted the story to end this way. And I wanted it to, and I wanted this to happen along the way. I wanted him to die at the end. I planned for that to happen the entire time. And I sort of tried to, I tried to hint like at it, you know, for some people right that was coming. <laughs> but it was always my intention. And I think I, I liked how it was received. A lot of people really liked it, and a lot of people really hated it. And that's what I wanted. I didn't want people to have that happen and just be like, meh. When you do something like that, you want it to be perceived yeah, really viscerally. Getting a reaction, you're not in like a Skip Bayless hot take sense, but you're getting a reaction in a way that the story engaged them fully. And that tells you you did your job, that you had them so invested that they're going to leave a 30 thousand word review yelling at you for your horrible ending yeah yeah i think that's an important thing i love i love angry upset reviews like that i think it really shows how don't get enough of them yeah it's like the character really means that much to these characters uh these people that they're like you killed him like how like it's one of my (laughs) favorite things to read and write like i love endings like that um currently i'm i'm working on a story with uh brendan uh and our entire goal is to make everyone upset that that is our goal at the end of the day to upset fans to upset people for the people to review and go why did you do that if, <laughs> if you if if i don't see at least one of those then i'm not doing the job well enough i i tell you what if your review section has more crying people than Saunders does on my profile, I'll Venmo <laughs> you like a hundred bucks, dude. <laughs> I'm gonna do Brendan right now. <laughs> I think that's one of the benefits of fan fiction, especially with the one one week uploads with the one week one upload a week kind of style that a lot of authors will do, or yeah. the one of every mm-hmm. bit mm-hmm. is you get instant feedback from the fans like i'm just you've killed and you killing percy in um the spartan Um, was was he earned his death i think so too yeah yeah, 
he he earned his death as opposed to let's go with canon PJO of Jason. Mm. Oh, don't like, even get me started uh, on those butts, Doug. That was a thousand L, dude. <laughs> yeah, like murdering off, murdering off Jason because he was inconvenient to the plot is kind of like yeah. that's Rick it just Batman. doesn't make it well, doesn't it also, make sense to the story of power scaling too like he's a son of the big three like he can get overrun but like motherfucker can fly like you're telling me that he was standing there till the end fighting like nah he was he was just in the middle of nowhere fighting a shit ton of monsters that, yeah. that would have bailed he, he absolutely did that man wrong and if you look back at the original series and you look at some of the deaths in that series, he got you to care more about Selena dying or Boy. Beckendorf dying. These are these are fucking side characters. Selena is a literally helped the bad guys and you care more about her dying. You she care more about Zoe dying than fucking uh than you do about Jason. Jason's yeah, death. Even Leo, is, I didn't really care for Leo's death that much. I, I think that's just Joe. due to how he wrote Leo. I <laughs> yeah, think yeah. that's the character, not the death. Jason's death yeah. is just depressing. It's like, not I so footnote. Like, I felt exactly. like he tried to do. I feel like he tried to kill Jason just to try to get people. To yeah, care it's for him. exactly. Mm. It didn't but, feel like a death that was put there for impact because it needed yeah. to happen, or w- for whatever purpose. It just felt like he put it there so that someone would die. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I. Yeah, I think. Riordan left a really good sandbox and he keeps trying to add on to it but the further he gets away from the original sandbox the worse the sandbox gets he's got the JK Rowling problem mm-hmm. he's got the JK Rowling problem yeah, and he, he does the same shit she sets it. up a fascinating world and then just keeps piling on shit that does not need to be added Oh yeah, definitely. and and, and I, misconstruing her own rules and focusing on the least important things, and being hella racist too. Not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think there's a definite thing of modern authors coming in, especially when they achieve the level of success that both Harry Potter, Percy Jackson have achieved, of coming in afterwards and adding shit that the fans did not want or need like mm-hmm. if what i don't think i think if riordan ended it after heroes of olympus and he said the everyone involved lived happily ever after i think everybody would have been fine with that okay. even if he tweeted it like and then he like i'd be okay with that prepared. I would have preferred, preferred that. Like, they all died two days yeah. after. Except now we got, uh, we got we got bisexual Piper. Now we got Reyna and um, Talia like in a lesbian relationship. It just and, feels uh, all forced. Yeah. And then we got like um, what, like Leo and Calypso are living with the hunters now. Like it's it's some yeah. bullshit, Loki. <laughs> <laughs> you establish these even... rules, yeah. and then you flagrantly break them in an effort to, adhere to first off adhere to society and appease people who don't care yeah because how many how many of the people who are actively 
Twitter mobbing about this are actually going out and reading these books. How many of them are diehard fans of the series who are screaming out? I mean, it it's the silent, it's the loud um, minority. Yeah. I think the silent majority here is kind of shaking our heads in the background going, dude, should have just left it as is. I don't think that's a problem that's uh, limited specifically to uh, like literature as in books. I don't think that's the only medium. Oh, no. no. See, in movies, fucking Star Wars. See, in movies, TV shows. Essentially, with the prequels and the sequels, whatever issue you have with either series together, they had a very cohesive and complete narrative. Then the only way they could make a sequel of equal proportion was to create a story that fundamentally undermines the initial story, which was already complete. So it's the same sort of issue where they had something complete, and by adding more, ruined what should have been fine. I think the the biggest problem with Star Wars and the sequel trilogy was it had so much potential. And mm. even... And even with them completely ignoring the expanded universe and going a completely 180-degree off course that nobody nobody expected and nobody really truly wanted, I, I don't think anybody w- got into The Force Awakens bef- when they announced they were making a new Star Wars movie and said, I hope they bring back the Empire. Yeah. Nobody was ready wanted wanted that they wanted to see what happened to han luke and leia in the future who are the new characters and how are they going to respect the old ones and i think they completely failed on all aspects oh yeah definitely i um i could fix them yeah, it's that's like the, the, the name of thing on your your profile, yeah. <laughs> fixing those god awful sequels. Yeah, I, th- I think it does say that. I think I did put that. I could fix them. I, I promise you. I got With the master mercy? plot. <laughs> I don't need, not even necessarily. I mean, yes, but also I don't <laughs> think you need it. So, like, just for example, my, here's my biggest problem with the movies, personally. It's fucking stupid that the Empire gets shit on, and then 30 years later, there's an even bigger Empire that's just as strong. Yeah. That is so stupid. How do they rise? And, how, how do and they it's so up? counterproductive to listen to what they should have done instead. Hear me out. Why would you not have the Republic be reformed, and now there's an insurgent force, you can call it the first order you want, who acts more so as the rebels did in the original movies, they're sort of a revolutionary force. And so then the empire, or the Republic has to balance fighting this force that is inherently evil while, per- while not becoming the empire that they previously fought against. Just changing that flips the entire, entire script of the movies narratively makes it so much better. Like the U.S. in terrorism. and also the aspect of completely decimating luke's character for reasons like of making ray better yeah it's like one of those things of his feet though yeah he's got the stinkiest feet for a jedi not gonna lie 
it's one of those things of they had so much potential and Luke was the embodiment of everything of both everything a Jedi should have strived to be and everything that they did not want Jedi to be. Mm. It was his connections that at the end helped him overcome the dark side. It was his connections to the world, to the, the galaxy as it was like, why would he, this is book of Boba Fett spoilers, by the Mm. way, why would he continue the archaic, terrible traditions of the old order in his new order, which he knew would be destined to fail? He had a blueprint of what not to do. Yeah. And he said, that's a great idea. Yeah, I. it, it just felt like... It, it's like, I'm a huge fan of Star Wars. I was not happy with... All of it. it just felt like every character, every returning character just felt out of it, like not themselves. Well, yeah. I think, I think in the first movie, they were, they were better. I mean, except oh, for Harrison Ford, because yeah. he hated Star Wars. No, he, he, he hates Star Han, Wars. Yeah, he wanted Han Solo. <laughs> he wanted Han dead. I think Harry um, Fisher... Terry Fisher and Mark Hamill were excited to be back. I think everyone who was previously involved in it was excited to be back, and they were hoping above all hope that it would be decent. And then after the second movie, everyone who was previously involved, you can just see it in their faces. Even the new new cast, they were... They were going through the motions at that point. It was not a A plus go ahead with all that. They they read their lines and they acted out their scenes and then yeah. they went home. Like what blows my mind is that there was never a single scene in the new sequel trilogy with Han, Leia, and Luke together. Yeah. Yeah. That's what everyone was hoping for. That's a like, bag fumble for sure. That is a major failure on their part of J.J. Abrams. Not... I I don't blame J.J. Abrams for that. Not all of it, yeah. I don't blame him for that. I think he set up a great... I'm not going to say great. I think he set up for a decent second movie. Yeah. And then Ryan Johnson decided to stab the football. Yeah. Instead of running it. I I think it was one of those, (laughs) you weren't expecting this, and then everyone's going... Yeah, but we were, and that's what we paid for. Yeah, and then JJ was like, "Well, now what do I gotta do with this?" And then I, I think the subverting expectations is probably one of the biggest problems in all media forms, be it fan fictions, books, or mm-hmm. or screen. I agree with that. I agree with that. I think. 100%. If you're subverting expectations just to subvert expectations, you you failed. You failed immediately. You you should be subverting expectations of oh my god, the asshole assassin who taught our MC how to be an assassin is actually a major dick trying to kill the MC. Oh, who would have saw that coming? Like that is subverting expectations. Like, oh, he could just be a cantankerous ass. But no, he's actually a cantankerous evil ass. Yeah. Like, 
that's subverting expectations and that is also me stroking idk's dick yeah thanks bro i, I appreciate I that a, I'm, I'm almost you're, there you're, going. you're just tickling a skirt right there for like 15 minutes yeah but I, a, but I had to put my phone down when i read that part when it was revealed i was like oh yeah that really? that's subverting expectations where it's it's a surprise but you don't feel yeah. like really no yeah the problem is you can't do it just to do it it has to be something where um where when you after you get that moment of oh that's the truth they should be able to instantly think back and say oh that makes sense because they think they know something about the character right you think he's you know that how that guy is you know he's a mean old dude so but when you're reading for the first time he's just a mean old dude but then once you've seen that revelation and look back it makes sense because you know who he is, even though you didn't know who he is. Yeah. And so when you try to establish one of those twists or something like that, where you're subverting expectations and you don't set it up that way, then it, it loses all weight. Yeah. I, subverting expectations for the sheer reason of subverting expectations exactly. is, it, it's terrible. And every time it pops up in any media form, be it, as I said, fan fiction, literature, or film, TV, and mo- yeah. film. Yeah, it 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 just takes away from the story because they didn't earn it. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, that most most issues you see with writing in general, in my opinion, they come from people trying to do things with a lack of foundation. If something mm-hmm. happens in your that your if your character does something. And it doesn't seem founded in what your who your character is as you portrayed them, and it's not going to matter if you do something to a character and you don't establish them as someone that someone cares about. Then it doesn't matter what you do to them, and if you set up a twist and you don't build towards it, it doesn't matter how crazy the twist is because it's not a twist. Everything is about foundation when you're working on this stuff. Mm-hmm. They don't have it, then everything just feels cheap and it lacks the impact that it's supposed to have doesn't matter how pretty your prose is if the core ideas being put on put on the pedestal are they have no foundation beneath them um one of my favorite parts especially of uh in shadows of men um yeah keep talking talking, talking. (laughs) um the fight scenes like that's that's something like you guys uh like you guys are fantastic authors, and IDK, your fight scene and was it was nice, quick, and it's something like you see now in other literature, it's or uh, film uh, literature, art, and everything. They they don't really know how to write a good uh, fight scene. They don't know they they do all these flashiness, or they try to make characters this overpowered. They have these crazy abilities but don't really get to showcase it mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. it's really bad. I mean, look at going back to star Wars, um, episode seven, the whole throne room fight. You have those episode eight, episode eight. Thank you. Uh, the throne room fight, terrible fight scene. Um, that, it, didn't really <laughs> it show looked the great. <laughs> it looked great, yeah. but we're talking elite soldiers. Mm-hmm. Up it against a chick who's yeah. been trained it, for it what a week and a half, but it doesn't make sense. Yeah, and, and it but it's not immersive. 
Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's like they should be using the force to like kind of feel where the attacks are coming, but they're just turning to look at every single enemy. And that's something that the prequels did an amazing job. Like every Jedi that's fighting in uh, episode two or three, they are not looking at all the enemies. They they uh, might attack behind them. They might use the force a little bit more. It just felt a little un- I think, underwhelming. I think that's one of the things of, and to play devil's advocate, The Force has taken a major hit, and especially Mm -hmm. knowledge of the Force. And as I said, you've got a chick who's been trained for a week and a half, and Kylo Ren, who's been, granted, is the best, is probably one of the most well-trained people in the room. So, him not utilizing the Force in that fight was criminal. Yeah, Rey not utilizing the Force in that fight makes sense. But... It definitely should have shown the difference between a physical fighter and a fighter who both uses the force and physicality. Mm-hmm. I, I think, I think a lot of thing. I think a lot of it comes down to very few people know action well. Yeah, like you look at the John Wick movies, and the action mm-hmm. is clean, crisp. It flows smoothly. Yeah, but that's because it was choreographed and directed by people who know action oh yeah definitely. and, and they brought in trained counter reeves trained extensively for it the director was a former stuntman who did it the choreographer was a former stuntman like they know action and you and you watch after john wick so many movies tried to copy it because yeah. it was so smooth it and it was so clean and it worked. Yeah. And then it became campy. It became mm-hmm. predictable. Every action movie is going to have a running through the hallway while they're still fighting action scene. Yeah. And it doesn't work because the actors involved didn't do the training that Keanu did. Yeah. The directors who are directing it come from a drama background not a action background the choreographer came off of dancing with stars like it's they're not they're not that's not their forte but they're still trying to imitate it and so it's it's one of those things of imitation is the most sincere form of flattery but it's also the most annoying Mm. um what is it called um one of my favorite fight scenes of any uh, literature film uh, is the hallway scene uh, from the 2000, uh, I think 2003, foreign film uh, Old Boy. Um, one of it's not only, seen it. Oh, it's an amazing one shot. Uh, it was done all practical. The uh, main character uh, fights his way through a entire hallway of like 40 it's like 20 to 40 guys was just like a hammer and it's like he gets his butt handed to him he's taking hits he gets stabbed he gets completely beaten up but he's hitting back and i love that because you see i think the only thing that was cgi was the knife that he got stabbed with and that's that's the difference between both like good authors and good directors is at the end of a fight, 
how much damage has the main character taken? Yeah. And I think IDK and both Connie do really oh, excellent definitely. ways of showing every fight is brutal and every fight is bloody. There are no winners in a knife fight. I only have one fight scene published. <laughs> you're one for one. You're 100% from the field, baby. Let's go. Yeah, yeah I think it, that, go. that's a saying. Nobody escapes a knife fight uncut. And I don't think... I think whenever you read a story where the MC engages in a one-on-three fight and they come out unscathed, <laughs> it's kind of like you're you didn't win that yeah you you didn't win that that wasn't a win fight that was decimation and now that can be good of like the little peon comes out and the main character just destroys them because the peon is nothing compared to the main character but when you've got when you've got trained fighters aka throne room fight both of the M- main characters come out of that without a scratch on them. Yeah, it mean, yeah. it's like I would like to see uh, some slashes, maybe some uh, getting shoved mm-hmm. to the ground. They might have some bruising, um, bruising cuts. I think like, bullet holes at that at some yeah, point. Like that's why depending think- on the story, I think uh, the mark of a good author, in my opinion, for action fights is how. How damaged is the main character? Yeah, and how do they recover from it? Yeah, I know Brendan and I were talking, um, talking about one of the stories we were uh, working on, and he was like, "Oh, do I make uh, Percy completely wipe the floor with these people?" And I'm like, "In this case, it would work. Uh, Percy is training these uh, group of uh, teenagers who have never received fighting training in their life. They're just using their instincts." And it was, I'm like, okay, it makes sense there. You know, Percy at this point in his life, he's in his uh, mid to late 20s. He's experienced. Um, the story idea is uh, just putting it out there. I hope he doesn't get mad at me for this. But uh, Percy Jackson, uh, Power Rangers. Um, oh, shit. Yeah. Um, my DMs have been getting <laughs> filled at like one in the morning with him hey i have another idea but um (laughs) i'm like yes this would make sense and then we're talking about another uh fight and uh we were talking about a breaker and he's like so uh percy against this character uh who's a trained swordsman who is significantly older than him he's like uh i'm like oh no he gets his butt handed easily we were both at the same time, same exact moment. We both sent a message saying, yeah, Percy would get his butt kicked. Um, it's it just, it, it has to happen because it, it it's impossible. It, it, he wouldn't be able to fend off the attacks from this character. And I'm like, we want to see Percy injured. I want to see this character broken. Um, you want to see a character lose. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the thing is you want to see a character lose. I've been I've been researching D and D stuff because it's been fascinating mm-hmm. me recently. And mm-hmm. there's a subtle rule for DMs. It's um, you want you want to end an encounter with damaged players, but not dead players. 
Yeah, yeah. And I think that even if the bad guy is dead on the floor, but the main character is got six stab wounds and a bullet hole in them, they still won. They won that fight. Oh yeah. I think I think it's a fine line between especially if you're running if you've got a powerful character like percy jackson where how do you incorporate a powerhouse like that into worlds where he is the most powerful person when he walks into a room other than the gods Mm -hmm. yeah definitely i I think it's crazy i think that's why harry potter harry potter crossovers really don't work with me because every wizard is equipped with a stick that can kill anything. Mm-hmm. There's no if, ands, ors, or buts about it. That Harry Potter in Marvel, Harry looks at Thanos, Avada Kedavra, dead. Mm-hmm. Higher things done. Yeah, Does so, that definitely. spell scale that high, bro? I don't we gotta know. talk about power scaling now. <laughs> yeah, and I think power scaling is probably one of the biggest things of writing especially fan fictions because you have to power scale everyone to a certain degree of how strong is percy jackson is he as strong as captain america or is he stronger is he as strong as thor is or is he in between the two like where do you where do you put them on that level like how do you yeah. how do you insert a character like that into a story with powerhouses and not make it seem that oh he can wipe the board with everyone and also so why is he with the team why does the team exist yeah. right well it's a matter of i think you know, when you tr- want to transplant this character into whatever, he doesn't necessarily need to be the strongest in the room or anything anything like that. The issue is that people aren't consistent with how mm. they transition and how they power scale. So if you, so you were talking, for example, earlier about having a character wipe the floor with a group of people, you can do that. And that, because that tells the reader that, oh, this person is not someone to be trifled with. This guy's mean business, right? So then when other other characters compete with that character, that implicitly tells you that that other character is someone not to be trifled with. So you sort of assign these power scaling levels with initial fights. You say, oh, he's this strong because of this, or he, and you can see him be this strong. But if that doesn't remain true, then you lose all credibility. If a character can wipe the floor with goons at some point in the story, he better be able to do it at all times in the story, unless there's a mitigating factor. If you want to make a strong character lose, you have to do something to make it so that someone can beat him. But so, for example, the Flash should not be losing fights. Mm-hmm. He only loses a fight, a fight narratively because you have to make him get hit by somebody. It just doesn't make sense that he'd get hit by somebody normally. So if you have a strong character that normally kills 30 guards and you want him to lose to a normal guard, he better be injured or there better be some sort of outside circumstance. But if you don't do that, then you run into the trouble of your character loses your story loses credibility when a character who's supposed to be strong is losing when he's not supposed to. Yeah. Yeah, I I like watch 
I watched the Flash. I read uh, the Flash. I read some. Yeah, that show is the worst for it. And it's like I've never been a fan of him. Um, just because I think he's just it's too like okay, well, are you gonna have him fight characters that would you know be a natural weakness for him like he he can run across water it's not if he goes fast enough he can go through uh solid objects if he runs fast enough um so it's like you you gotta find that right character that can go up against him um and it's like I don't like the show because I feel like a lot of the, it's just forced that he's having just emotional troubles and that what allows him to get hit uh, in several episodes. While in the comics, it's it's a little bit more. He's a little bit too cocky, um, at least from the one or two comics I've read, and it's been a while since I think, them. I think with that, they set a precedence of gritty reality with Mm. arrow and it was and they were looking at ips they could get a hold of and i think if they wanted to continue the arrowverse and have it be successful Mm. the only one they could have truly transferred ownership over to would have been batman yeah of they should have stuck to non-powered or low-powered heroes yeah, street like, level street in, level street level we're talking black canary yeah batman ted, ted grant ted grant like we're talking the ones who who've kind of pulled themselves up like they have distinct advantages black canary's got the scream like there's but they're more grounded they can't fly they can't run at the speed of sound they can't they're not superman or have superman powers and I think the biggest problem with Flash was they inserted a Justice League member, one of the mm. founding Justice League members, too, yeah. into a universe where the Justice League was not needed. Yeah. Um, what is it called? I think one yeah, of just the... delegitimize. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, one of the stories I read on uh, Wattpad, which takes me way back, and now it's on uh, FF. Um, they had Percy fight the flat. They had Percy fight the Justice League, and the only reason why, like, he didn't win the fight. He had to, he had to get away. Um, but the only reason he did so well is because he took him by surprise. And for the Flash, he just surrounded uh, the Flash in a hurricane, and like, or a strong windstorm uh, mixed with water, so the Flash couldn't see, and it slowed him down for a little bit. And I was like, okay, that's a pretty creative way. Um, to slow down the Flash because now the Flash has to counter out the uh, the water um, while Percy has to now deal with Wonder Woman, Batman, Aquaman, Superman, and uh, I think at the time Martian Manhunt, uh, Martian Manhunter. Um, so I was like, okay, it's he he's Percy's trying to figure out ways to beat these guys but he just can't do it so his Mm -hmm. only result is to go into the water and try to swim away as fast as he can while throwing things at these uh titans of power 
uh, to slow them down. And I'm like, okay, this, this is what I like to see. This is what I want to – I'm like, he, he did not win. He got hit a couple mm-hmm. times. I'm like, okay, this is good. This is, this is what I want to see. And then next chapter is just was like, oh now. Hey now, boys, yeah. I I hate to break it to you, but I got swim practice at five thirty in the morning, so no, I think I had to dip out. Thank you so much, Connie, for uh, joining us today, though. Oh yeah, I'll be back. All right, we'll be happy to have you back. Yeah. Right. See you, boys. See ya. See ya. Later, sweaty. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think. Power scaling is definitely one of the hardest things to do in fan fiction. Mm-hmm. And I think it doubles so when you add a new fandom. Yeah. I think you can power scale very easily in single fandoms. You see it all the time with Harry Potter fix, right. where they'll scale up the characters, where they'll scale up certain characters to upper levels, and they'll also scale up other characters along with them. And I think that the biggest power scaling failures happen when crossovers are involved. Yes. Yeah. 100% I agree. If you ever watch, uh, I said watch, uh, read a PGO Harry Potter one, it's, you can't power scale it correctly because you're dealing with magic compared to godly magic and just the control of that Percy would have or any character really would be 10 times better than a wizard with a stick in my opinion. Um, so it's, yeah, I definitely agree that crossovers are they're the hardest spot to do it correctly because you're not only having to decide which version of each character you're going to use. So in the example of Percy Jackson, we talked about him earlier, he could be so unbelievably juiced or he could be so weak. And just making that decision is has uh, a lot of connotations, you know. And then as soon as you make that decision for the Hulk, how str- how strong a version of the Hulk am I going to use, and or anything of that nature? It really mm. it's it's just hard just for that. And the second you try to put the two together, then you run into a whole slew of new issues because how they interact has to also yeah. matter with how they would interact with other people from both of their extended universes. Yeah, if like. If you're going to have a Percy versus the Hulk fight, I think the closest type of power scale you can have is kind of the Hulk versus Wolverine. Uh, in the sense that Percy is significantly smaller than the Hulk. Uh, in terms of strength and uh, just power. Uh, if you're not using his uh, control over water... All he has is his sword. No water. That dude's getting clapped in yeah. seconds, dude. Yeah, just he's like, done. Like how uh, the Wolverine. My man is a skid mark yeah. on the street in seconds. Like Wolverine gets his butt handed to him in the very beginning of that fight. Um. So it just Hulk stomps most, dude. Yeah. He's kind of he's kind of juiced. Um. Fucking, so... but, but you're right. The pro- it really does. It is dependent on how you scale him. Because you could put Percy Jackson in there against the Hulk. And if you juice him to the max, he's going to reach out and grab the blood in his brain. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he's going to explode. But if you put a more normal version in there, he's just getting stepped on immediately. Um, 
Yeah. Oh, there we go. I think another problem is that there's no set definition of um, demigod power. Like, yeah, because in the original series, it's described that demigods are, for lack of a better term, superior mortals. Yeah. Well, that's not yeah. a lack of a better term. That is the best <laughs> term for it. Yeah. They are superior mortals. But how are they superior? Like, Percy, I think, on the wiki page is described as stronger and more durable. But, like, to what extent? Are we talking, like, twice as strong? Twice as durable? Like, what? Uh, what are? what's the yeah. scaling for that? Like, well, strength, that, see, that's tough. Strength feats he has holding up the sky. Mm. and resisting the pull of tartarus right yeah. yeah but the question is how heavy is that and is mm. and for example the sky how heavy is that is that actually a physical weight or is it a more of a willpower thing so it's yeah. sort of like an emotional or a spiritual weight or whatever i mean annabeth but, is he, not a child exactly, of the big three exactly. and she held it up so yeah. is it a willpower thing or a physicality thing because that matters for how you scale them physically yeah. in strength because i think Speed-wise, he's too. canonically a bullet timer. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he's. I think he's reported because said to be because one in of the, the third book when the skeleton things I forget their names were chasing after him, they shoot at him with guns, and he says they the bullets moved so slowly he could dodge them. Yeah. So that makes him a bullet timer, speed-wise, technically. Yeah, so it it's kind of one of those things of canon doesn't provide the answers so it comes up to fans to develop these answers and depending on the author it can be oh your your average demigods twice pretty much double all mortals in strength durability willpower all that big three three times yeah yeah and they'll leave it at that but then you encounter the thing of well what's your average mortal yeah because mm-hmm. your average we're talking <clears throat> your average mortal so what time frame like are we talking mm-hmm. like the greeks back the ancient greeks who would have been a hardier people they would have been statistically probably stronger than your average modern day person like what about when you include other like not enhance people but people at the top of their game like basketball mm-hmm. players football players hockey athletes, players like yeah. professional athletes professional bodybuilders like we, there, there's a lot of questions that come up into that yeah i agree i mean it's uh what's it called one of the uh fix i read on uh wattpad is called nexus and they actually even mentioned that they're like percy's like yeah you know i I don't know. I'm not that strong. Uh, he's like, I think my strongest feat is uh, I one time held up a uh, my girlfriend from getting pulled into Tartarus while she was attached to a giant spider and there was an, uh, an entire car attached to her. And they're like, uh, Harry, Ron, and Ryan are like, but that that's like several tons. And yeah. Like, it... And they're like, that that's that's impossible. And he's like, ah, I guess it's just. A demigod thing got to be there. Yeah. <laughs> My advice to anyone looking to work with that sort of thing is to you have to sculpt the power levels 
ultimately to adhere to the narrative. It's not as important as uh, the narrative itself is, meaning that if your character is going to be uh, interacting, fighting a bunch of mortals, then you better scale them lower because of the, otherwise it's pointless. Because then you're just throwing mm. an arbitrary number of people at him to make it believable that it, he struggled. And that's not, not anything to say, oh, he had to fight 50,000, but he won. That doesn't matter then. I could have easily said 10 million, and narratively, it's the same thing. He fought a bunch of dudes and somehow won because he's that good. Mm -hmm. That means nothing. Yeah. You have to, in that case, you would have to scale him down so that, fighting, so that when he's fighting a normal person, it makes sense that he struggles. Conversely, so not to continue to bring myself up, but it's quickest off the head in my mm -hmm. Young Justice story, you have mm -hmm. to scale him high if he's going to be interacting with people like Superman. If you scale him low, then he's he doesn't matter. Yeah. So you have to scale him accordingly. Exactly. You have to scale him according to the narrative you're going to tell, who they're going to be interacting with, and how you, how and when they need to win and lose. Yeah. You can't just you have to scale with that in mind. You can't just say I want him to be really strong, so I'm going to make him kill a million people. I think that applies to even original works too, where Absolutely. Your, Absolutely. your main character needs to be scaled for the conflict they're in. Yeah. If you are doing a fantasy story and your character is fighting elves and they have been trained since age of three in the sword and they're getting their ass handed to them because because they're only 22 and they're fighting 200 year old people like that that makes sense but if they go lose a sword fight to a 15 year old yeah. you've got your power scaling all wrong yeah it's, exactly it's not a matter of levels needing to be at a certain places they just need to stay where they're at or you, when a change happens, you need to see it gradually. Mm -hmm. I need to see yeah. someone increase in strength. I want to see some training. If I, if I don't see them developing it either through training or through... Training is iffy because sometimes that can be boring. But yeah. it's hard to do a montage in a, yeah. in a written yeah. medium. But, you know, just the general idea of they better be... Your power scaling better be consistent. And if I see changes... I better see those changes happen naturally. I better see them lose, see them struggle, see them learn, see them be taught, see them practice, all this, so that when they do improve, it makes sense to me. People, yeah. Characters need to learn from their mistakes or they need to not learn from their mistakes per purposely as an from the author's perspective. Oh, but yeah. things need to happen for a reason. And you can't, especially things like power scaling, you can't just change people just for the convenience of having someone win a fight. It has to be, have narrative grounding. I think that is the biggest takeaway from all writing aspects, be it anything from TV to Dungeons and Dragons. Everything mm -hmm. needs to happen for a reason. If you want people invested in your story, everything needs to happen for a reason. You can have mystery, but the mystery needs to be solved at some point. You yeah. can't just have a a bad guy who is bad for no reason. I mean, you can, and you can make that work narratively, narratively, but it's usually not as good as the evil king who murdered hundreds of thousands of people to 
obtain his power and takes over the kingdom and is now oppressing people and has been doing so for the past 20 years that as opposed to yeah he's just a dick and he likes inflicting suffering on people for shits and giggles that doesn't that doesn't work what was the evil king's motivation was it assassins from a secret guild killed his first wife and he's and in an effort to rid the the nation of them he killed thousands in his quest of vengeance and now he's obtained a bloodlust and he needs and he continuously sates it like what is the character's motivation for doing what they're doing yeah absolutely motivation is very important it's basically your characters are driven by what they're driven by is who they are. And that sort of shapes everything you do. And if you don't have a clear sort of thing that you're building towards with a character internally, then your character doesn't, isn't really fully fleshed out in my opinion. It was Rowling who said it, but she wrote the epilogue Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. after she finished the first book or like, halfway through it and i think it may not work for all authors but i think a lot of authors could benefit from writing the final chapter or the epilogue or the final paragraph of the story of this is the end point now it's time to connect this point to this point and make it make sense kind of like how you say you write you have little dots and you're playing a game of connect the dots with words yeah absolutely so as far as that process it's sort of i get those ideas like you're saying those dots or whatever and then i sort of sit down with myself and try to work out a a cohesive way that i can tie them together so these moments that even in their origin aren't so connected suddenly become connected and have a cohesive narrative that's probably the easiest way to form a story where everything feels connected because it is because you built it that way. I think also it may not apply to you, but it's applied to me when I've tried to write some stories that I have had the dots out there, but sometimes you got to realize the dots don't make sense. True. Absolutely. Certain, certain aspects will not work with the story you're trying to tell of when you get, five dots in and you realize dot six is completely off kilter and it will never work you can't be so fixated on connecting all of the original dots sometimes you got to go no that doesn't work and i think a lot of fan fiction authors especially get fixated on trying to make every idea they had for their story work and you can see the ones who powered through it and forced it in. And you can see the ones who didn't yeah. force it through. And they did just go, no, that won't work. And there's a clear delineation of quality. And, and it could be great. It could be a well-written story with great characters. But sometimes that little tangent is just too much. No, too much. Yeah, that's how I feel right now with my uh, ICW Harry Potter film. Yeah. It's like I loved my idea for it. But going back, cause the night before I was going to publish it, about two hours before, I'm like, let me reread this. 
the end section I was not happy with I'm like I cannot follow this myself because I forced this little part to be in there and I'm like I got redoing it it's and there's also the aspect of sometimes you don't need a grandiose ending you don't need like idk is the king of there are no happy endings here oh yeah like yes sir yes sir like a happy ending is great and i i love reading a fluffy happy ending fic but sometimes the characters do amazing things and then they go back to their regular life. Oh yeah. And they never do anything interesting again. And it's kind of like they mesh back into the background and they're forgotten to history. The Elder Scrolls special, baby. Yeah, it, it's one of those you don't need to have an epic ending of your main character goes on to marry the prince or princess and become and the kingdom continues to thrive for thousands of years and of peace and prosperity. It's like, no, your main character goes back to the farm where they grew up. They marry the village girl neck. They marry the village girl and they, and they continue on and everyone forgets about him. Mm -hmm. It's that works too. It's all about fitting the ending of your story into your story. Because I think a lot of people want their main characters. Some people want their main characters to have the happy ending. And because they want the happy ending. Yeah. And so it's a bit of wish fulfillment of, well, my, I said some (laughs) (laughs) of people going and creating this utopia ending where they created a dystopia fic. Mm. right happy ending in the zombie apocalypse nice yeah <laughs> um, yeah it's yeah brendan and i are working on that right now brendan's like he has so many ideas right now that my dms are actually full <laughs> he actually dm'd me right now about the power ranger one um <laughs> but he's like the other night we we're talking about his whole zombie walking dead one and he's like you think people will be mad if uh we just killed off a really important character and I'm like, he's like, and so that way they don't get a happy ending. And I'm like, I mean, it's a zombie apocalypse. Was there ever going to be a happy ending? Oh, all right. Here's my take on killing important characters. If it works in the narrative, do it. Yeah. But people you kill him just so you can kill somebody. I agree. Yeah. I, it's kind of like, it's, it's cheap. It's kind of like the running joke here on the disc on the server of killing sally oh yeah like <laughs> nine 75 percent of fix got to do it killing sally makes no sense there was no reason to do it but Kill if it, it is nuts to go my man if yeah. it's <laughs> integral to the story and it develops percy into nah, the character <laughs> into the character you want him to be it makes sense to do so. I think a lot of people kind of want the wow and shock factor of, oh my god, look, I just killed a main character, and it doesn't make sense for that character to die. Yeah, we were talking about um, for a, so the character would die, and then this would be a turning point for Percy. 
Um, so we're like, because we were originally, we were just like, yeah, just kill him, just to kill him. And then we're like, yeah, it's stupid. It's not going to be any point. Um, so we're like, how, how can we make it important for him? Yes, kill the character, give Percy a reason to live because of that character and that character's death. And also give him some form of guilt, like survivor's guilt. Um, I think I think the best way to kill a character is to give the characters around them a sense of survival, survivor's guilt and drive to either avenge or live up to expectations. Yeah. That's what we were of we were struggling with the other night. We having figured out having a character kind of just um Having a meteorite fall out of the sky and just crush in Annabeth's head right as they're exiting <laughs> Camp Half-Blood after the war just that for the be... sheer hell of it. Yeah, I gotta of... do that. That would be so funny. Oh my god. Like, the reviews it, would make me shit my pants. Like, it makes no sense narratively of, well, why didn't, pers- why didn't they see it coming or that? Like, it's... It's one of those things of Annabeth dying in the final battle against Gaia of getting stabbed in the back. Like that makes sense narratively. Yeah. Like just killing you're in the middle of a war. It drives Percy to a total rage and he Mm -hmm. kills hundreds of monsters and he's, and then he's just surrounded by this torrents of water just mercilessly destroying and as he's holding her dead body and her dying words are continue on yeah and like that that's a good drive that's how you kill a that's how you kill a main character especially a main character's love interest yeah like that's how you do it i would never do that i would never kill a main character's love interest yes you would (laughs) yeah You've done it. Yeah. I have. Yeah, it doing doing so and not giving them any drive afterwards. I think dying words are an important part of killing a main character. Mm-hmm. I think if you don't have dying words or an after death letter or something to push the main character i think you wasted the death yeah yeah I, i'm not um, sure you need words but some sort the, of i get what you're saying about it having to be become motivation or it has to have yeah. and it, it has to have meaning see, you have to see its impact on the world around the character around the death not just the impact it has on you the reader emotionally i definitely yeah. agree with that but i don't think you it necessarily dictates that you need final words or you know a letter like you said like that's definitely those are definitely mediums through which or ways through which you make that impact happen more clearly well i'm also kind of going along the lines of it doesn't have to be final words that they said as they were dying or a letter well a letter after death is exactly what it sounds like it's a in case i die open this but it's kind of looking back on the relationship they had like a master um, a mentor relationship 
kind of looking back on what they said, the advice they gave, all that kind of stuff, and using that to drive forward and to use the lessons they taught in either a vengeance or a make the world a better place or make themselves a better person aspect, I think is really important of using the character's the character's death to drive forward the narrative and the character. Yeah, I um my my one shot uh tell my father that's something I was going to I'm I was going for. I had Percy dies in the final battle uh just from sustained injuries with the uh fight in Greece and then uh gets a final blow at Camp Half-Blood. Uh, Poseidon finds a uh, in case I die letter, and it was this was all written in one night of half awake, half uh, half uh, like alive sleep. Yeah, and I was like, okay, let me write this. I I got inspiration from a uh, from a piece of music from a musical, so I was like. I don't know why it just struck to me and I was like, yes, this is this is exactly what I want to write. And I was like, I really just want to make, I just want to show how Percy's words of comfort, even though he's passed away, really affect Poseidon. And you, you really have to see the struggle in Annabeth as well because she doesn't know what to do right now um but uh yeah that's really it so there there's definite advantages to that and for narrative um yeah it was just uh, and i also had it like find like a little music box that played the the song so but um so speaking of you were inspired by a piece of music idk mm -hmm. have you ever been have you ever heard a song and thought i want to turn i want to incorporate this not as like the cliche trope of the main character singing a love song to uh Mm -hmm. to the love interest like have you ever Mm -hmm. heard a piece of music or a song and thought that would be a good storyline um, I'm not, I'm not necessarily a song translating to a full story, mm. but songs have already inspired some of the stories that I posted. I think I, I told him I was talking to Meth about this a few weeks ago. I think three of my stories, yeah, no, two of my stories came from songs and it's mm. not from the lyrics necessarily. From the lyrics but not from the narrative of the song so much as they give me the idea of like a vibe or uh, right. a, a particular scene that they would fit or an idea or just a theme that make me think about you know and then from there then i build a story around that and i also pitched this idea to connie the other day i wish she was still here mm. i was talking to him about potentially post starting a one-shot sort of compilation piece on my profile in which each sto- each one shot would be one inspired by a different song mm-hmm. and so the chapter headings would then be the song title and then you could go listen to it if you wanted to 
and then listen to it and then see how the how the piece came from it yeah so yeah i absolutely do take inspiration from music in that way that's uh yeah i think that's that's an i think music's definitely one of those best like inspirations just for writing so um but yeah i think that uh i think that does it really tonight um we're, yeah, it was a good nearly two hours, man. Yeah, we're reaching that. It was great talking to you and Connie. We'll have to definitely that. have both of you yeah. back, and definitely maybe have both of you um individually. Yeah, yeah, for think, sure. down for that. Yeah, I think this, was good. this I think this went pretty well as like a definitely hella scuffed, but a good practice round to sort of get the feel of what it could be. Yeah. No, we'll get. Yeah. I think we'll get smoother. We'll get cleaner. This of was, course, of course. I think it was good to get a good practice round then. Yeah, yeah, this was a good zero sesh. For, I got I got too high for this shit, dog. Don't <laughs> let me do it next time. And, uh, we got you loose. We got you loose for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah, but sure. thank you for everyone in the audience who popped in and out. Uh, there's a couple members I have asked questions, so we'll definitely address that with the next episode. Yeah, I think uh, I think that'd be cool to. As future, we'll definitely people get it. If people get into it to have a bunch of questions coming in live, that'd be sick. Yeah, yeah and it, especially in the future, we'll um we'll have a bit more announcement than twenty minutes. Yeah, yeah. Then a we'll, yeah. This was kind so of we'll have on just as a test, really last second. Yeah, we'll uh we'll be we'll be more prepared. We'll have questions prepared and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. topics set up, and then we'll also in some channel that maybe we get maybe we yeah. beg for to yeah, have is, people ask questions that is uh, um what so um negatoro we're not pulling people from the audience right now we'll um we'll have a sign up thing for people yeah. who want to join we'll create a doc for it of yeah submit and for that we're going to primarily be pulling channeled authors first so nothing mm-hmm. on yeah. non-channeled authors. It's just a lot easier to contact them and have a distinct place for questions. And especially if we don't get to all the questions, they can answer the questions if yeah. they feel the the want to. The audience member can go with them to the channel after the recording. Um, but you know, hopefully yeah, so, there will also be a channel set up eventually in the future to yeah, we'll, discuss all that too. This mm-hmm. was thrown together. Yeah. And and there'll definitely yeah. be the possibility of the future yeah. of bringing in audience members to pro- maybe ask questions that yeah and maybe just straight up live, ask. They might as well be able to get to ask with their yeah. voice if they yeah. want. Yeah. yeah. So we'll we're, we'll definitely have more mm-hmm. more audience interaction in the future. Yeah. But mm-hmm. yeah, just uh, before I go, just mm-hmm. so you guys, anyone who listens to this, like later if we do upload it somewhere. Yeah, I'm going to. Um, um, these guys did this with like 20 minutes preparation. They didn't, there was no planned structure or anything. This is more of a proof of concept. So they, I th- so they did a great job. Don't think um, that this is the structure. It'll be moving forward. They're definitely going to come in prepared. I know they will They'll have like hella yeah. questions. Mm, thank you. A straight structure, you know, cause I, <laughs> they need to know that you guys did this out of, out of nowhere. We basically decided to do this on a whim a few hours ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was at work, so I didn't exactly. even have an opportunity to oh. prepare for before that, and then no, I came home and passed out. I think. <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, no, well, concept that you can, you guys definitely, you got the chops for it. I think. 
yeah and, oh thanks and for the audience mm-hmm. members thank you guys uh just seeing audience members join in people asking questions definitely helps this whole project come together we're able sure. to show that and people want this and we want to make we want to make this clear. This is an excuse for me and Silver to talk to some of our favorite authors. Yeah, yeah. but <laughs> we do want we do want audience interaction. We want you guys, we want, course, we want yeah. you guys to ask questions because whilst we are fans of fan fiction, you guys are also fans. This is yeah. for the server. This is pretty much a yeah. meet and greet of mm-hmm. the different authors and maybe the ones who aren't super active, and you can get a yeah. a better insight into them. I mean. Yeah. IDK and Connie are constantly I'm every, on. I'm everywhere, but not everyone yeah. is. Yeah. But um, not everyone is. So the, might, the goal yeah, of this um, is to get popular um, authors and active authors yeah, yeah, and yeah. the inactive involved yeah. with the server yeah. and fans. I think it, yeah, I think yeah. it would be pretty sick. We had uh, Wolfgang NH here before. He was uh, in the audience, and he unfortunately had to leave earlier. He said... Uh, he was again busy, he had stuff to do, but hopefully I would love, he said this was a great idea and he would love to see the future. So we have some pretty big name authors. Uh, Will DV popped in. Um, yeah, we'll get him on one for sure. So, we'll bully him. So here. Silver doesn't, it's, I haven't talked to Silver about this, but mm-hmm. the the kind of the goal right now is we're going to try and get through the top 10 yeah. and then we'll start pulling from other places. So yeah. we'll, also put sense. this yeah, out in a post. Yeah. Okay. And try and get a ping for yeah. podcast. And it's nothing awesome. against the non top ten. Again, it's just it's that way we can get traction for people to yeah. gain interest. Exactly. Because the more people that are interested, the more that come to view this. It's motivation. Let's yeah. be honest. It's motivation. That too. Um once a bunch of more people join, it'll be it'll be amazing. Um this is a project that I'm dedicated to um i got plenty of time i got free time if people have questions about it definitely reach out to one of us so um that's all i gotta say well yeah awesome thank you guys yeah, it's fun you. and uh have a great rest of your night uh day yeah whoever uh the whoever's listening night to this. eastern time yeah <laughs> so and, i will refer to naga for this we will be getting to the original authors, but as has been stated in other channels that you guys don't have access to, we're primarily a fan fiction server. Ninety percent of us are, ninety-five percent of us are here because of fan fiction. Yeah. So we will, oh, definitely, we will get, we will get to the original authors because that is a fascinating topic that we want to get. Oh, yeah. you we want to get part of interaction. Server. You guys are a part of the server, but it's been an slower integration because yeah. we're transitioning from a fan fiction writing server to just a writing server yeah. that f- so we yeah. will get to that but i a primary a, a majority of our um listeners if we get any yeah. will be fan fiction readers yeah so so please be patient with us um so, you know, we'll authors, be authors in general yeah. they they make up everything here. We can't. This this server wouldn't be what it is without authors, yeah, we, authors, fans. Damn right. Order, damn right. So we could be an entire server of readers, but it'd be boring as fuck because we'd just be jacking off our favorite authors, and they wouldn't even be here to hear us yeah. talk about damn it. Damn so. right. Yes. Um, so it, we it, it's a combination of everyone. We need. We're gonna have 
beta readers only people who've done tons of beta reading mm-hmm. and what they look for it's it's going to be talking be kind of sick, actually. yeah yeah so what they look maybe for you could in... get me to hire a beta <laughs> yeah. yeah no shot so, <laughs> yeah it'll be we're going to be bringing in people from all aspects of the server we're going to be bringing in artists we're going to be bringing in writers readers mm-hmm. beta readers all that the different aspects even the lurkers who are just here because yeah. they stumbled across us like god forbid we, we got fries on one of these yeah <laughs> yeah so <laughs> but um on that note it's time for us to say farewell um thank you guys uh thank you idk thank you connie yeah, thank you yeah. bailey um yeah well this is a great uh yeah. this is a great session so i am yeah. ending the recording in three two one, this is one. You.